Okay, welcome everybody. We're gonna start. Um, welcome everybody. We're gonna start. So uh, interesting. We're at an interesting place in the story now. <coughs> oh, pardon me. We're at the very last part of the first section of the story. What do I mean by that? You'll probably notice that the story is called the Misa of the Chacham and the Tam, the sophisticate and the simpleton, the wise one and the simple one. And we've basically been talking non-stop about the Chacham. We haven't been talking about this, the, about the simple person at all. So this, this part that we're going to see today is the last section before we move on and Rabbi Nachman starts to talk about the simple, the simpleton, the simple, simple person and the way of Tamimus. So we kind of started off with the two sons and then we started talking about this one, this, this Midah of Chachma in a negative way and this, and this aspect of, um, uh, uh, of, of, of living in such a way. And we didn't speak about Tamimus, right? The positive side of it, the aspect of Tamimus so much, just maybe in contrast to, to, to the negative Midah of Chachma. So one more class today is going to be speaking about the Indian of the Chacham. And then next week in Ritz Hashem, we'll start, we'll start the Indian of the Tam. And there's a few, uh, a few closing remarks, basically, on the Indian of the Chacham that we'll have today. So we're going to see a few aspects of, of Rav Arush. And, uh, and then we're going to finish off with some Torah from Rav Kivak. All on this, this last, these last few Indianim of the, of the Chacham. So let's go back to our story. And we'll read the part of the story that we're talking about. Afterwards, the world began to seem petty in his eyes. Because of his intellect, since he was a master craftsman and an intellectual and a doctor, all the people in the world seemed like nothing to him. So we know that the, the Chacham has been moving and moving and moving, and he got up to this level. And we remember, he had really, he was a talented person. He was a talented person. And, but he used his talents in a, in a really negative way always only looking for ways to, to, to make himself famous, for ways to, to stoke his own ego, and never talking to Hashem, never consulting with Hashem, never consulting with wise people, just doing things in a way that would make the most noise in the world and it would draw the most attention to him, right? And so he got up to this level. So uh, Ravara says over here something, uh, something powerful. He says, we now begin to see the punishment. This is at the bottom of page 107, by the way, the very bottom. Now we see the clever one's punishment of attaining success without previously davening for it. His arrogance is a result of his disdain for every other human on earth. He lacks the minimal innate humility that enables a person to love a best friend, a spouse, or his own child, leading him to no longer find any enjoyment in life. In other words, there's no real myla. There's no positivity in becoming a person of tremendous intellect, intellect, tremendous you know, mental prowess if you don't do it in the right way for the right reasons. Where does this person find himself now at the top of his game? He finds himself unable to interact with anybody. He finds himself unable to be happy with any people. He can't be around people. He, he disdains everyone. Why? Because, because when, when he went up in wisdom, 
instead of doing it the right way, whereas he goes up in wisdom, he also goes up in humility. He did it the wrong way. And as he went up in wisdom, he went up in arrogance, the opposite. Right? I think we might have said this before, maybe just in one of the recent classes, but this is one of the reasons we saw in Reb Nassim, the reason why we always have to have a Yerida Taklas Aliyah, Yerida Aliyah. Why, why we have to, in our journey upwards, we have, to have, we have to go down. We always have to go up and down. Why? Because if we would just keep going up, then, you know, as, as this success arc goes up, another arc going right up along with it would be the ego arc. Right? So we have to, we have, to have our ego in check. It's a, it's a big blessing, right? When, when, when things happen to knock us down, Baruch Hashem, it can be a big blessing. You know, I had something recently where, uh, <laughs> where uh, I was invited to a wedding. It was like a pretty high-profile wedding like a very big wedding and um, so you know there's the chosen tish beforehand right and so I was uh, to be honest I was heading out of my house to go to the chasna and to go like actually on time for that chosen tish which generally speaking you know many people don't go on time for such a thing I'm not saying it's right I'm just saying <laughs> many people don't go on time for such a thing and uh and so, uh, and so I go, I'm, uh, whatever, but something, something happened. Someone came to my door, and I had to deal with that person. So I couldn't, I couldn't run out right in time. Long story short, I get to the wedding, and, and the, another person there says to me, um, he's, like, he's, like, he's like, where were you? I'm going to mean, where was I? And he's like, you were supposed to be one of the witnesses signing, signing the ketubah. So they gave it to me, <laughs> the guy says. So I said, what am I going to say? I said... Okay, Baruch Hashem. I guess Hashem wanted you to sign it. And, and, you know, so I don't get an honor at this wedding. They didn't tell me I was getting an honor, right? And the, 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 the father of the, of the groom came over to me afterwards and started apologizing to me. I'm so sorry. I was planning to, 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 to reach out to you and tell you that we were going to give you this, this honor, but I didn't, but I forgot and whatever. And I'm so, so sorry. And I was like, don't be sorry. This way it's good because now you're showing me you were going to give me an honor. And another person got an honor. It's very sweet. It's very nice, right? But you know, so so I could have been upset. I could have been angry. Well, they should. You know what? If they meant to give me that honor, and they didn't tell me, so then they should give me another honor. They should give me another honor. I'm deserving of another honor. Maybe I should have said, "Chas v'shalom," right? I took it as an opportunity to say, "Listen, Hashem wants you to not get an honor. Knock yourself down a little bit. Take your ego down." Right? So these things happen, and we should always welcome something that, that knocks down our ego a little bit. Right? It's a tremendous gift. But anyway, this person's going up in wisdom, and he's going up in chachma, and going up in, in, in arrogance, and now he cannot be around anybody. So we, we said something last week from Rav Kivak, which I'm, I'm just going to repeat. I'm not going to read it inside. But, but he said, he, he said like this. He said, that it's very important for a person to be able to speak in the language of the people that he finds himself around. It's very important for a person to be able to lower themselves down to whoever, if, if need be. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the other person is the one lowering themselves down. Who knows? But, <laughs> right? but lower themselves down in order to be able to, to communicate with a person. Right? And, and, and meaning what? Meaning, if I walk around thinking that I'm on some level above everybody else, 
then I'm never going to be interested to speak to anybody. I'm never going to want to talk to another person. And if I do, it's, I'm going to come off like a you-know-what. Why? Because I am a you-know-what if I'm in, in that situation. And I'm going to seem mean. I'm going to seem condescending. Why does a person seem condescending? Because they are. <laughs> because they hold themselves to be way up here. And so when they speak to another person, they're talking down to them. Right? So nobody likes that person. And so that person does not have good relationships and is unhappy. And as the person gets more unhappy, they get more high on themselves and more low on other people. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. Right? So Ravar said something very, very powerful here. A little bit scary, to be honest. He says, This person lacks the minimal innate humility that enables a person to love a best friend, a spouse, or his own child, leading him to no longer find any enjoyment in life. So I feel like this. You know, when uh, I have a good friend, Rabbi Law, and uh, he, he likes to, you know, he likes to. He, he one time told me this idea that he, he said, you know what, he's a, he's a psychotherapist also. And um, he told me that, you know what, many times when, when people come to a person for, for advice, right, they actually don't want advice. They're not interested. What do they want? They just, they just want to be heard. They, they need someone to talk to. They want to be heard. They want to know that someone hears what they're saying and understands what they're saying, right? So he's saying, in a certain sense here, I believe what he's, what he's alluding to, which I find to be very important, is the importance, what a, what a beautiful lesson, the importance of being willing to just be a listening ear to somebody, right? Just so somebody can, can get something off their chest. Just so someone can have the opportunity to connect. You don't, and, 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 and in those types of situations, when somebody is looking for that, if a person tries to give advice, like ruins the whole thing, right? They don't, they, don't, they don't want to hear what you have to say. They just, they need someone to connect to. They need someone to listen. The importance of just being a listening ear. And, okay, it's not always easy because sometimes people really do want advice. And, and if you just sit there and don't say anything, they're like, no, like, what do you think I'm talking to you for? <laughs> Give me some advice. It's hard to know sometimes, but okay, we've got to work through it. But what an important, what an important midah, an important midah. A little farther down, he says, those who spread, so, so such a person, so if you're a person who's going to either be a listening ear, like we're saying, this amazing, amazing midah to have, or if you're a person who's going to either lower, lower themselves down in order to speak to someone in a way that is, that is, fitting and, 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 and substantial to them, right? So what are you doing? You are a person who's connecting with other people. You, you're a person who wants to be connected to other people. You want to have a relationship with other people. So you speak to them in a way that you forge a relationship, right? This is, this is doing the work that the Rebbe Shalom wants us to do. He wants us to be connected. He wants us to have, to have achdus. He wants there to be You should love your brother like, your, like yourself. He wants there to be Ahavas Yisrael. He wants there to be achdus, unity. He wants all these things. We see it countless places in the, in the Chumash, in the Gemara, everywhere, right? So if you're a person who's connecting, you're, you're doing that work. If you walk around feeling like you're above everybody and you, 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 you don't want to connected to the unwashed masses you don't want to have to talk to those lowly people right so you're 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 ruining everything you're not doing Ratzon Hashem 
It's 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 terrible. I don't know. I, I wasn't planning to say this, but 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 in an interesting way, it's really it's really a a, a microcosmical representation of the purpose of the entire creation. Right? Why? Because Hashem Hashem created everything. You know, if you if you look into the words of the Svarim Hakadoshim, in order to make a dira b'tachtoinim, a dwelling place for the divine presence in the lower worlds. If Hashem only wanted that the Or Ensoif, the infinite light of God, should shine everywhere, it was doing that already. He didn't need to make a creation for that. But rather, He made a world that comes down, all the way down to our, to our existence, to our world, where there's darkness and there's confusion, there's suffering, pain, difficulty. And He said, you know what, in those places, that's where I want my presence to be seen. I want to bring my presence down into those low places and have it shine there. Right? So, really, when, 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 when a tzaddik does this, and he, the, by the way, another one of the stories of Rabbi Nachman, that they usually call in English the turkey prince, is directly about this idea, that the tzaddik lowers himself down to be able to connect to those below him. But even for us, mere mortals, Right? <laughs> right? Whenever we do that, also, when we say, you know what, it's not about my ego. I don't need to prove who I am to anybody. And I, I come down and speak to connect to those people. Right? Those people. <laughs> so what am I doing? I'm emulating Hashem. I'm emulating Hashem. I'm lowering myself into the lower places to be able to, to communicate there. Just, you know, we can, we can use this in different places. Next time you're at, uh, let's say, a wedding again. Next time you're at a wedding, oh, and there's some real hush of a people that you really like and you want to talk to them. Maybe there's also another person there who is uh, a little bit more difficult to talk to and they're having a difficult time in their life. Right? So maybe, maybe we go to that person and give them a few minutes also rather than just staying within our little circle that we're so comfortable in. Right? We have lots of opportunities for this. So we're doing, we're doing what Hashem wants. So He says, page 108, those who spread peace and brotherly love Sisterly love are all are are so close to Hashem because the prerequisite for both is humility. Arrogant people are therefore far away from Hashem. Their souls are dark because they lack divine illumination. Wild. So be a listening ear, right? Let's not be afraid to. Uh, we don't have to always try to keep ourselves up high. So he said the next point in uh, in Ravarish over here in one hundred eight. From the story, he contemplated to fulfill his goal and take a wife. Right? How many times has he been saying this already? Mm-hmm. That this is the goal, is to find a wife and get married. Right? Many times. So, he says, has, has, haven't we been down that road already? So, what, so first, first of all, hasn't he already thought of this a few times? And now he's saying it again, and he's not successful. He's not going to be successful. Why does he not succeed here? Why is he not successful in finding a, a spouse? So he says, first of all, a, a, an important point. The answer is that he mulled over his goal without asking himself what Hashem's goal was for him. He's just decided, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. He didn't stop to think, what does Hashem want for me? What's the right thing to do? Should I ask someone who, who's, who, who's wiser in these matters than me? Should I ask someone, should I ask Hashem? Please Hashem, give me the ability to understand what's, what's meant for me. What am I supposed to do? Is this the right move for me? He didn't do this. So what happens? So, so he says like this. Now, okay, 
I'm going to say some things over here that are going to sound a little bit... They might come off as mean. I'm sorry, I not pl- I'm not doing that on purpose. They're certainly going to be speaking negatively uh, with regards to, to the whole system of the way religious people are trying to get married these days. And not religious people as well, by the way. I don't know if anybody's noticed recently, but there's uh, not a whole lot of successful marriages out there, in, or at least in the numbers that they may, may used to have been in. Right? Um, so what's going on? Right? And there's, uh, in the religious world, they have a thing for a number of years now that they've called the Shidduch crisis, right? Where there's particularly a lot of girls who want to get married and can't find matches. I don't know about you guys, but I know a bunch of older singles who are, who are, have been trying really hard to get married. The ones I'm thinking about why are not at this table, just saying. And, and, and they have not been successful. <laughs> they have not been successful. And, and it's been a disaster, and they're angry, and they're upset, and it's, it's not good. So, so we're going to read some of the stuff in Ravarish's words. I'm not picking on anybody, but let's, let's try to t- speak some MS over here. Let's see what happens. So it is like this, bottom of page 108. With careful examination, we see that the clever one lived a life of contradiction. Once he became brilliant, disdaining all of, huma- all of humanity... How could he possibly find a wife with whom he could get along? How's he going to get married and find a wife who he's going to get along with? His arrogance was a guaranteed formula for failure in marriage. So, take out the word his. Arrogance is a guaranteed formula for failure in marriage. No question. You know, I, I, my personal experience with this, Baruch Hashem, I have an amazing wife. I have a great relationship with her. But one of the reasons that we have a great relationship is because I, I personally, anyway, I acknowledge that, that it's not always easy. Right? And if I don't consciously remember to check arrogance at the door and to, and to try to take the high road, or maybe we should call it the low road, I'm not sure. <laughs> right? You know, I would, I would, I would, I would be uh, facing a lot more difficulty than I, uh, than I am, I, I think. And uh, to be honest... I'll tell you something about, about the Torah of Rav Arush, is that um, I have never heard from anyone else, anywhere even close, to as useful, practical, positive advice on being married than I heard from Rav Arush. And it's a little bit radical, his advice. And it's pretty, pretty Israeli and sharp. But, but, but I've, never, I've, I've never heard anything else for me that, that I think just is, works perfectly, is the way that you're supposed to do things, right? And uh, maybe, maybe in the future we'll do a, a series on, on some aspects of marriage relationships from taking from a couple of his books, maybe. But, um, yeah. So, so, you know, but this is the point. A person has to realize, how many times have we said, how many times have we said, the mushal of the dog and the stick, right? That, that any, anyone that, in, that we have a relationship with, it, with and, and, and we feel like we're being attacked by them. We feel like we're being hit by them, right? So the, the, the muscle is, is that if a dog is being hit with a stick, right, it thinks it's the stick. So it starts to growl at the stick and bite at the stick, when really it should realize it's the one wielding the stick who, who he should realize he needs to deal with. Right? So this is one of the most important pieces of advice. And also, famous teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, right? 
absolutely incredibly useful and amazingly powerful teaching of the Baal Shem Tov is that when you see when you see something in another person right when you see a midah in another person something negative in another person right it's a mirror and really the only reason you're seeing that is because you have that within you right very very powerful and um, you know it, it comes like along with this idea that you could have this happens, by the way. I don't know if you experienced this before, where you can have two people sitting, watching or listening to the same person. And they walk away, and one person says, oh, you know, I really like that person. And the other one's like, yeah, you know, I don't, I, you know what I don't like about that person? Is this, 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 and that. They're watching the same person. And one person didn't see anything negative. Why? Because they don't have it within them. So they didn't see it. Whereas the other person is very upset with that, with what they saw. So now, they, that's what, it comes out from them, right? So, how did the Baal Shem Tov know this? <laughs> There's a famous uh, story of the Baal Shem Tov that, that, uh, that one time, he saw, he saw Chilul Shabbos taking place. Someone was desecrating Shabbos, right? So, the Baal Shem Tov, you know, knew his own Torah, and he, he said, what, what, what did I do? How, why am I seeing Chilul Shabbos? I should only see Chilol Shabbos if I was Mechal Shabbos, if I broke Shabbos. And as we can all understand, the Baal Shem Tev never, never broke Shabbos. This is, by the way, where you can see how you can get to a deeper level of things in your own Hispaitadus and think, analyzing yourself a little bit more. Anyway, so the Baal Shem Tev realized, he was like, wait a second, oh, you know what? A Tzadik or a Talmud Chacham is called by the name of Shabbos also. And he remembered that one time he, he heard that someone was saying Lashon Hara about a tzaddik, and he didn't say anything. He didn't, he didn't try to stop it. So he kind of was involved in a very minor way in this, in this, in this incident where a tzaddik, who's called Shabbos, was being desecrated. And he, so he realized, oh, that was my desecration of Shabbos that caused me to see someone desecrating Shabbos, right? Okay, anyway, that's a side point. <laughs> that's a side point. So how could he be married? Anyway, how could he get married? How would he be able to communicate with another human or feel the slightest empathy when all of marriage depends upon communication, empathy, and respect? You can't be married if, you're not, if you don't have these qualities. So that's the first thing. How is he going to be successful once he gets married? He, he's not going to be able to, to, to be that person. It's just a nightmare. Imagine being married to an arrogant person. It's a nightmare. <laughs> Okay, he says, he says uh, additionally, yeah, he couldn't have, been, let, let's talk about something a little more difficult now, maybe. <laughs> he couldn't have been happy with any match suggested to him. Why? Because he'd think that the proposed woman was not good enough for him. He would find fault in everyone. The first won't be attractive enough. The second won't be smart enough. And the third won't have a sufficient, su sufficiently prestigious pedigree to his liking, right? Meaning what? It's a big problem. This is, it's, it's a huge problem. So, so I feel that this is a, a real problem in, in the way that Shaduchim happen nowadays. That there's a thing that people make like a, uh, like a wish list of the things that they, that they want to find in, in a mate. And they go shopping. And they go to, uh, to, to, to see, you know, I recently heard of, uh, 
this is this is terrible. I recently heard of a, a family that their their daughter was going to speak to a certain Shadchan. So they reached out to this lady, and the lady just had some information about her, and she said, I'm, I don't even want to talk to her. She said, unless she's a size two, I, can't, I have nothing for her. I didn't even know that was a size, by the way. <laughs> unless, you're, unless she's a size two, I have nothing for her. This, is, this, this shows you that there's, there's just a, a, a tremendous... A tremendous lack of of, of of a of a focus on real necessities and really what makes a person it's it's unbelievable to me that this exists that the system exists and so you have even outside of that system you have people that they're going well I you know I want someone like with X Y and Z I've seen people I've seen people that have started at, at point A and they've gone through and they've been like, well, no, the person, she has to be like this. She has to be like this. She has to be like this. He has to have this. He has to have that. that. And you know what? A few years go by. And they say, okay, maybe I can relax on one of those. A few more years go by. Okay, maybe it doesn't have to have number two either. They get to 10 years later. And, they're, and, they're, and they say to me, you know, these words come, come, come into my ears. They say to me, but Rabbi, are you telling me I have to settle? I shouldn't have to settle. I shouldn't have to settle. This is this is this is marriage. This is like this is my, my spouse. I shouldn't have to settle. So I began after after years to say to to these types of people anyway, because these types of people are achacham, and they're overthinkers, and they're they're these people that see years into the future. Well, what if this? Then maybe they'll be like right. I said to them, Yeah, you have to settle. You have to settle because you never will otherwise. You'll never find what you're looking for. You have to settle. I said this to someone recently, and they told me that they, you need to use a better word for settle. They had a really good word. Might have been my wife. I don't remember what it was. She has the real good type of wisdom. <laughs> but but here, I'm using the word settle on purpose. Accept? No. no. I'm using the word settle on purpose in order to, to sound a little bit um, you know, harsh and to, and, and to make a point. Because... A person with the chachma, with the chacham type of mindset, will, will literally be like what he's saying over here. The first one is not attractive enough. The second one is not, is not. What was the, what did he say? Second one is not smart enough. You know, I remember, I remember, I remember. There was there was a, someone on the on the chat here, is saying compromise, hundred percent, and 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 so much compromise, always compromising. You have to always be compromising. But listen, I remember there was a person who, uh, oh my gosh, this is genius. I don't know who 625925 is on the chat over here, but they just said, my father-in-law said, if you want pretty, slim, and smart, you need three women. It's <laughs> 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 Givaldic. Very good. Very, very good. Um, that's genius. So, uh, yeah, right? Oh, you caught me off guard with that one. That's so good. But, but I, I remember uh, another example. I remember one person who... who who said who, who who met a girl, and this person really liked the girl, and it was it, it was going well, and 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 things were moving, it was looking good, and this person said, but you know what, this girl she she doesn't go to shul on Shabbos, and I was like I was like okay, I was like okay so so, so what, and and he's like he's he's like yeah, and I'm like you know you should know that like many many Orthodox women, don't don't go to shul on Shabbos. Right, especially once they're married and they have little kids, they, it's, it's not possible, and they, they don't go. It's okay. 
You know, like uh, we have a shul in our house and very often my wife still davens somewhere quiet alone in the morning because it's somewhere she feels she can connect better, whatever. It's not, it's not, it's not a necessity. She said, yeah. So, so he said, I asked her, so do you go to Shiurim on Shabbos? Like, what do you, what do you do? She's like, I don't know. I sit, I read, I, I do whatever. And this guy couldn't take it. He's like, he's like, I can't marry a girl who doesn't have ambition and who just stays at home on Shabbos like this. And, and so I tried to explain to him, you know, this is, I, think you're, I think you're off over here. And, and she, she could be amazing. And you get along with her and you like her. Like, it's hard to check these boxes, right? Anyway, this person, the, the guy involved over here, is a wonderful person and uh, is close to me. But it's a struggle. It's a very, it's a, it's a big struggle. And it's, 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 it's one of those things. So, you know, it's uh, in, in hindsight, after someone's been married for many years, you know, the, the, the icker is, in, you know, in my opinion, to, I'm not trying to solve any shit of crisis over here, but, but, but the icker is, the main thing is, is that a person should realize, I'm gonna, I need to find someone who, who I can work with. Because you know what? From, from day one, we might have a little bit of a honeymoon period where everything's, you know, bright and shiny for a while, but the essence of a marriage is working together through life's challenges. And there's going to be tons of ups and downs. Am I a person who is able to be in a relationship where I can, I can be humble and I can, I, can, I can lower myself down? I can, I can work on my own issues at the same time. If every time there's a tiny argument, I blow up in anger, right? Because my ego is hurt, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. So right away from the beginning, people are setting themselves up for marriage, looking to be, oh, it has to be like this, it has to be like this, it has to be like this, it has to be like this. So what do they expect? Now that when they get married, because they already had a whole list when they were trying to get married, that now when they get married, oh, now I have perfection. Okay, I hate to tell you, but, <laughs> you know, no one is perfect. And, and it's not going to be easy. Right? This is the way it's going to be. And if we, think, if we think this way, like this is total hakam thinking. If we think, I can define, I can control, and I can choose exactly how my spouse is going to be, and exactly how my marriage is going to look. Okay, you lost the game before you started. And it's controlling and negative. You know, we're not supposed to be like this. We're supposed to know that Hashem runs the world. I'm not, I'm not supposed to control, control my spouse. We're, we're, we're a unit that has to work together, right? This is a serious rant sheer here today, I'm telling you. Yeah. You know, there's people, he, say, he says over here, it's, it's kind of code words over here, won't have sufficiently prestigious pedigree to his liking. There's some people that will not look at a marriage unless they come from a certain family. You know, many groups have this. There's a thing in Chabad. There's certain families that, that are uh, original families that, that they only marry within each other's, within these, these few families. In other, it's, it's not Chabad only. In plenty, plenty of places, it's like this, right? Or, or God forbid, I should marry, you know, um, I'll tell you a great story, a, a very, very quick short story about uh, Rabbi Shlomo Miller here from Toronto. He's Mamesha Gadol Hador, a tremendous, tremendous, like he's, he's been asked to, to leave Toronto and become Rosh Hashiva in Lakewood, and he's a Poisek who's recognized around the world. Tremendously huge Talmud Chacham. So I had to go to speak with him about something in Halacha one time, 
And while I was there, the Rebetzin was there also, and she had heard that someone who comes to our shul, a certain boy, um, was uh, suggested to someone. The boy was a Balchuva, and the girl came from a, a religious family, from a history FFB. of a religious family, FFB family, from from birth family. Okay, um, we love uh, labels over here. It's fantastic. <laughs> okay, we need them though. Um, so anyway, so so the Rebbezin asked me about this boy, and I'm like, yeah, this guy, totally amazing. By the way, this guy that I'm talking about now, he's now totally happily married. He got married to a fantastic girl and is happily married. He lives in Israel, and they're fantastic. But so anyway, I'm in the house, and she so she phones up this family who they had talked about, and the family, the family says, nah, you know what? He's a Balchuva. We don't want it. And and I was I was, I was so taken aback because Roy Miller. He got like visibly upset. And he's like, what? He's like, any family should, should, should be thankful if they get a Balchuva who has passion and cares about, about Yiddishkeit. He's, I, I never saw him. He got upset and angry at, at, at the situation. In any case, you know, the way the story ends, I, like I said, that boy went and got married and happily married to a girl from a wonderful family. They live in Eretz Yisrael. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good story. I don't know what happened with the other family. I don't know who the other family was, but they, they lost their chance at a, at a great boy, I'll tell you that. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's Mamish. It's, 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 it's not, it's not a, it's a, there's a lot going on over here. So he says over here, well, one, more, one more little bit here, the, in the middle of 109. What if he did find a wife? He'll never be satisfied with her. She'll be miserable. He would surely have made her suffer with constant criticism and belittling while giving her no love or attention. Arrogant people constantly violate the Torah's commandment of loving one's neighbor. In this case, one's spouse as oneself. Right? V'havta l'recha kamocha applies to your spouse also. There's a Torah mitzvah. I, I once heard in another situation like this where, where there was a, a difficulty in a marriage. And the guy was like, said, said to, said to a, I think it was Rav Steinemann, I don't know, one of the big G'dayle uh, Yisrael, he said to him, where does it say I have to love my wife? Because <laughs> it wasn't going well. And he said, what are you talking about? You have to love every Jew, first of all. That should be the, the way you look at every single Jew. And here, I mean, there's more to the story over there. Right? But, but what's, what's it going to be like? What's the marriage going to be like? This, have you seen such a person before who's constantly belittling and... and, and, and criticizing, critiquing everything that his wife does. Happens the other way around also, by the way. You ever see such ladies who are like so hypercritical of every little thing that their husband does? It's also, it's, it's uh, if you don't have a real humble person on the other side of that equation, it's not going to go. <laughs> right? So this is what we need. We need to move into the whole situation with humility. This is why the, the life of the, of the Tam is so special and sweet because he, he doesn't have an ego. He doesn't care. He just, he wants to connect with everybody. He wants to always just, just do what Hashem wants, right? So every, every person he meets, he would, he would rather give up all of his honor than fight with his wife. He would rather give up all of his honor than, than embarrass somebody or belittle somebody, right? And the Chacham, what Rav Arush is saying over here, it's so gishmak, it's so powerful. He went to the top only with this in mind that I always need to be at the top and I always need to be the one who everybody looks up to 
and I look down on everybody. It's not going to work. Oy vavoy, right? Yeah. Okay, Vaitar, in the story. And he thought to himself, if I marry here, so he's still in the last place that he was now, which I don't remember what it was. But he thought to himself, if I marry here, who will know what became of me? I will return home so that they will see what I have become. Because I was once a small lad, and now I have come to such great success, such greatness. So, like we didn't need more to see about the level of his arrogance, but he says, I can't get married here now. He says, I've decided that the goal is I have to get married. And in almost the same sentence, he says, scratch that. Because if I get married here, no one from where I came from is going to know my greatness. <laughs> so he says, I got to go back home now. I got to go back home and show everybody all of the tremendous intellect that I've developed, all of my abilities. I became a goldsmith and a, and a gem cutter and a doctor and an intellectual and a philosopher, right? So now he has to go back. <clears throat> so he says over here, the arrogant, clever one lived in a self-centered centered world of fantasy. He believed that the whole world had nothing to do except think about him. That's all that anyone cares about is what he's doing. His sole consideration was his personal prestige. What would bring him the most honor? Unbelievable. He's going back and forth. He has no direction. Okay, so let's see on page 110. The imaginary honor of this world. The true tzaddikim always went to great lengths to hide their holy deeds and stellar characteristics. You see the opposite. True tzaddikim are not out flaunting their greatness. They're doing everything they can to fly under the radar. They're, 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 there was a, a great book that came out a few years ago. There was a guy in the old city of Yerushalayim. He was a Baal by the way. And he was part of the Birchas HaTari Yeshiva. And his name was Gershon Bird. Just a quick interesting story. And uh, so this book came out. It's called The Life. I happened to have, have had a meal with this person uh, when I, uh, years and years years ago. And he's friends with a close friend of mine. But this person passed away. Um, he was involved with the yeshiva. He helped the yeshiva and he learned there. Anyway, after he passed away, they started to get floods of people coming to his, to his house. And they were like, we, we need money. And the wife was like, what are you coming here for? Like, and it turns out that this person had been collecting money and distributing it to poor people under the radar of everybody. Nobody knew what he was doing. It was all completely hidden to such a level that after he passed away, people started coming and this all came to light, what, what the person that he really was. But he didn't do it one time to show, oh, look how much. He didn't have a plaque on the wall in any building saying this person gave this amount of money, you know, and uh, dedicated this uh, water fountain to the Goldstein family, right? Nothing like that. It's also good if you make a plaque, don't worry. <laughs> but but uh, tzaddikim are, 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 not, are, are not doing this. Truth and humility go hand in hand. Truth and humility go hand in hand. Just as arrogance and fantasy go hand in hand. I have so much to say about this. I gotta, we gotta move a little bit. <laughs> but um, so, uh, just uh, I have to say this. Uh, it's important to me. But um, what? Uh, I don't know how you understand the statement of Rav Arush: truth and humility go hand in hand. 
but I have a, an understanding of it that I feel is very, very important. And that is that the truth that he's speaking about here, I think, means a person's true, authentic recognition of who they are. Self-recognition in an authentic way. What do I mean by that? Um, until a person really starts working on themselves and trying to fix difficult mitos that they have, trying to dig deep and see who they are, where they come from, and what their issues are, we tell all kinds of stories about ourselves, right? And we make things up, and we think, and, and we, we justify things, right? And, and you know, I recently had, had someone who, uh, I think I mentioned this person before, that remember the person who, uh, who was interested in, 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 a, in a certain lady, and she said, I need space. And, and, and he was like, so he decided to go and knock on her door, which was not a good idea. So I said to the person at the time, you know, I, I, said, I said, you know, you, you need to have some emuna over here. And, and just like, st stand back. Ha have some emuna over here. So he said to me, this is, the, this is a good aspect of this type of truth. He said to me, okay, but I believe that with emuna has to come hishtadlus. Right, which is uh, the 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 emuna hishtadlus, um, the effort versus trust in God dynamic, is one of the favorite crutches and difficulties of the chacham. How do I know how much to do and how much not to do? Like, after what's what's the amount and what's not the amount? And if, what if I don't do enough? Is it is it, is it not going to happen? Or if I do too much, it's not going to happen. So how do I know what's the exact right amount to do? This is chacham thinking here, here, and and it's it's very it's very hard for for such a person. An overthinker. It's very, very difficult. I'm not. I'm not trying to make fun. But so anyway. So this person said, "I believe that you have. I have to do hishtadlus. I have to do my effort over here." So, so I said to this person, "I think you're missing out what effort means. For you to give in to this yitzur hara you have to go and contact this person, to go and and write a letter to this person, for you to give in to that." That is not effort at all. That's you just going with the flow and following your Yetzirah. Yetzir. Let's just call it Yetzir. Right? Following your Yetzir. You're, you're urged to do this. For you, it's going to take tremendous effort. It's going to be a big hishtadlus for you to hold back. Right? And you see how you have to have a real recognition of truth. Don't make up stories. Oh, I, I know that there's a thing called hishtadlus, so I have to do I have to do, and if I don't do, so now I can give in to my, I can justify what I want to do and follow this yetzer that I have and go out and contact this person, right? It's a justification, it's a story, it's a narshkeit. It's not, it doesn't, it's, 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 uh, it, it's, it's total falsehood. The truth is, is that you're being compelled by, by, by an emotion that you have and, and, and it's coming from a place that needs to be addressed and it's a yetzer that's pulling you that way and the place where you're going to begin to deal with it, the place of truth, is for you to say, I, I see that I'm being pulled in a direction here that I shouldn't be going. I see that I have an effort to make here to go against my negative urge and, and to look at myself in truth in this way. Right? So what did he say over here? He said, truth and humility go hand in hand. Because what does that person have to do over here? This is where, this is where it comes down to. For that person to now admit that, 
is to say there's something wrong with me. I have a fault. I have a big challenge over here. I'm being pulled. I'm out of control. That's what the person has to say. I'm totally out of control. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and and, and I'm, just, I'm just going down this path. So to face that truth is, is humbling. And a person has to, that's truth and humility go hand in hand in this way. Because whenever, whenever we choose the easy way out and, and, and we don't address our own issues in a, in a humble way, and we don't realize, yeah, I'm broken. I need work, right? We're all supposed to be broken in a good way. Remember how many times we've had this in The Lost Princess? From the broken pieces, we, we pick up the, the parts that we need and we start to rebuild or something better, right? We're broken. We're supposed to be broken. And, and when we realize that we're broken and we admit that we're broken and we're okay with that, Right now, we're finally looking at ourselves in a truthful way. We're finally actually seeing what those breakages are, what those challenges, what those difficulties are. That's truth, and it can only come through that aspect of humility. So fantastic, right? And so powerful and so important. It really helps to have a, a close person to 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 discuss these things with, to be able to see, because we're often very blind to our own to our own issues in this realm. So let's never forget this. Let's never forget this. Truth and humility go hand in hand, just as arrogance and fantasy go hand in hand. It's a fantasy world. Whew. Yeah. So he brings a story here, another story from Rabbi Nachman, um, about a person who's chasing honor, right? And how that honor really belongs to Hashem. And when we chase honor for ourselves, it's just, it's not good. Story, the story basically goes like this. I'll tell it outside. That there was, a, there was a, a minister of the king who had a clerk. And so this minister was in charge of a certain municipality, let's say, township, I don't know, county of the king. And so he would send his clerk to go take care of different things in that, in that area. But when the clerk went, he had a chap and he thought, oh, wait a second, nobody knows who the real minister is, so I'm going to pretend to be the minister. So he went there to the place, pretending to be the minister, and everyone like bowed down at his feet and was like, oh, the minister's here. And they gave him you know, gifts and everything and bowed down to him and, and treated him like this. And he, he lapped it up. He was taking this, this, this honor to himself, right? Until one time the minister said, okay, I need to go and I'm going to go and check out my different areas just to, to have my own eyes on them, right? Make sure things are going the way they're supposed to go. And so he shows up and, and, and stands right beside this clerk of his and he sees something that is not the way it's supposed to be. So he says to one of the townspeople, he's like, oh, what's, you know, what's, what's the story with this? It's not the way it's supposed to be. And the town person ignores him completely and goes and bows down at the feet of the clerk. Right? At that moment, the clerk realizes the mistake that he's made. What does he say over here? The clerk's face turned a crimson red. In addition to the embarrassment, he'd now, he'd now be incurring by the wrath of his master, the royal minister. In addition to embarrassment, he's also in trouble. <laughs> he's been found out, right? Look out. It's the same thing. What are we walking around for looking for honor? We know where the honor is supposed to be. It's not, and we're, it's not supposed to be by us in this way. Yeah. Okay, let's read. There's another part that kind of connects to narcissism, but I think we'll skip that for now. 
It's a little bit too hot of a topic these days. Um, okay, page 112. Like we're, like we're not avoiding hot topics today. I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, so he went and traveled home and suffered greatly along the way since because of his intellect he had no one with whom to talk and he could not find lodgings according to his taste and he had much suffering. Right? We said this last time, by the way, when we were learning Rav Kivak. This guy has, has if you remember the words of Rav Kivak, is he's now frying in his own juices. Right? He's turned himself into this person that, that, that has, has developed such high tastes and such high intellect. He can't talk to anybody. He can't appreciate any food, any lodgings. Nothing's good enough for him. So his life is nothing but one bitterness after another bitterness. Mamish, it's terrible. The arrogant are always angry with any tiny detail in life that fails to meet their approval. Even when served the finest gourmet meal, they'll find fault with the china, the cutlery, or the centerpiece. Right? I can't stand this. I can't. This drives me crazy. <sighs> See? I'm, I'm, I'm getting arrogant here. <laughs> but, but people go, you know, and they, they, they just have to complain about everything. Nothing's good enough. Nothing is good enough. You go to a hotel and it's, oh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, what do you expect? What do you, what do you want? They didn't bring me the thing at the exact right time. It wasn't, I don't know. I'm not even, I don't even want to go there. Every little detail people can complain about if that's who they are, right? Uh, a, a person who complains constantly and who, who, who criticizes and complains is a person who has the midas of the chacham uh, to, to, to a very high extent. Because nothing is good enough for you. You know better than everybody. Our sages differentiate between a good guest and a bad one. The good guest appreciates every little detail, thinking how much the host is doing for him. The bad guest not only fails to appreciate anything, but finds fault with the host. Right? You know, anywhere you go. You go to someone's house for a meal. You, go, you stay at someone's house. Okay, maybe it's not everything exactly the way you want it. But this person is feeding you. It's putting on a whole thing for you. Right? They're giving so much. They've worked and prepared. Like, you have what to be thankful for? You, wanna, you have to be bitter? You have to, to go down that path and find the one thing that's wrong? It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's negative and painful and bitter. And it's, you're, you're frying in your own juices. You're suffering in self-imposed prison of bitterness. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so two more points here of, uh, for, from Mavarish, and then we'll finish up with Rav Kivak. He says a reason for everything. So first of all, standard main point. If a person has emuna and lives with powerful emuna, they're automatically not going to be the Chacham, and they're going to be the Tam. Why? Because wherever they find themselves, they're going to say, this is what Hashem wanted for me today. This is what Hashem wanted me for me today. Right? If I go to a place and... and I have like a pet peeve. Here's, here's, here's like a, a taiva that I have, a physical food type desire, is that uh, I, like many people, re- let's just say in a nice way, really appreciate that first cup of coffee in the morning. Okay? And I also like to have milk in my coffee. I also only drink Chalavis raw milk. So if I ever find myself out traveling somewhere and I don't have that milk... It's like, it's, it's bothersome to me. It's very hard for, for, me, for me. That morning cup of coffee without milk is, uh, is not simple. It's something I have had to work on. And so, and so now if I'm, if I'm like in the situation where the milk isn't there, I'm like, okay, Hashem wants me to have black coffee today. That's it. 
I don't get to have my, my milk and my coffee today. Okay. I have to, I just have, but I have to say this, right? Otherwise, I'm just going to be angry and bitter. I literally would be angry and bitter. So, so I, have to, I have to say, this is what Hashem wants for me today. He put me here. There's no milk anywhere around for me. Okay. I'm going to, and, and once, you, once I change my, my attitude, it's not so bad. Okay, it's not perfect. But, but it's not so bad. Right? But if I don't have a Muna, I could just complain nonstop. Right? All the way, it's going to come out in a sheer. Like, must be, I have a real tendency to complain. <laughs> so as soon as we know that Hashem wants things to be a certain way, we can remove our anxiety from it. This is what's meant for me right now. That's the Muna success. Okay, the next point is true success. We hit this point very strongly from the Torah of Kivak, so we'll finish it off with Ravarish here. But, but this guy, the Chacham, just remember over here, right? Imagine, you know, you, uh, you find yourself in like a, a little tiny town off in the middle of nowhere somewhere, and you find a person who has no upward mobility, right? They, they grew up poor in a small town, they work at a diner, and they have no education, right? And you go there, and you see such a person, and you're like, okay, Nebuch, this person has a tough time. Maybe that person's happy. I'm not saying anything about that person. This guy has all the talent in the world. He's, 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 he's uh, what's the word? He's coordinated. He's, he's, he's intelligent. He's bright. He's motivated. He has the wrong motivation, but he's motivated. And he's been able to accomplish career after career after career. He has the ability to make a ton of money. He has the ability to help people. He has everything at his fingertips. Sorry. And he's miserable. Totally miserable. This guy, compared to that person working in the diner in the small town, he can get anything he wants. And he's totally miserable. Completely miserable. What's Pshat? So we said this before from Kivak, and we're saying it again now. Simple. If a person is connected to his true purpose and mission in life, then he'll be happy. Are you doing something meaningful? Do you feel like you're accomplishing something that you're supposed to be accomplishing? That's all it is. And then it doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are. A poor person who's, who's accomplishing something in their life and, and feels that they're using what Hashem gave them for the right things, feels good, feels happy, feels accomplished, feels connected. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very, very powerful point. So let's just see two little points in, in Rav Kivak, and we'll finish with this. Yeah, another, another something to appreciate over here. So, um, like this says, says like this. So, the Tam, we're talking about, about, about uh, he can't find happiness in any lodgings that he finds. The word in Hebrew is achsanya, right? We said this last time. I remember Mrs. Vixen Spanner had a good had a good chap with this also, right? The Tam sees the whole world as his every single day, wherever he is. That's his achsanya. That's his lodgings for the day. This is where and, and and what did Hashem do? Hashem gave him the lodgings that were meant for him. You know, I, I was thinking about this, like like you know, imagine you have like an Olympic athlete, right? And they have to go somewhere. They need a lot of things. To, 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 it needs to be close to the place they're going. Maybe the family has workout areas where they can exercise properly. Like for such a person, if they can find the right lodgings that, are, that, that suit all their needs, it's very important. It's very special to them, right? 
So, uh, oddly enough, uh, a funny thing that just happened to me this past Shabbos, connected to coffee once again. <laughs> that uh, so we were away this Shabbos, and uh, and so we were staying in uh, a beautiful family, the Noble family in uh, Rochester, Rochester, New York, and um, and so you know this is a rabbi in the yeshiva, wonderful family, like <laughs> a from Jew going to stay somewhere has all kinds of little funny details that make make that are really important for the place that they're staying on Shabbos. Right? Like there's all kinds of these weird things that no one would ever think of. Like you go to a hotel, a Jew goes to a hotel on Shabbos, you can't just go to a hotel. Like you can't use the elevator. You can't use the key cards. Right? You can't you can't you can't make coffee. Right? You can't phone anybody to order something. You can't like you sometimes can't leave your room or leave the floor. Like there's all these little things for, for a religious Jew to stay somewhere, hyper-detailed little things that the rest of the world would think are totally crazy and make no sense, right? So I thought, I thought to myself while I was reading this, what, a, what an amazing, like, uh, uh, what, a, what a beautiful thing to be thankful for. You walk into a, a religious Jewish house to stay. We show up right before Shabbos. They have a room with the beds for us, with a kosher lamp that you can turn off and on on Shabbos, right? You go upstairs, they have like, like in every Jewish house has on Shabbos, a big hot water urn so you could make your coffee, right? They, they have, you know, everything prepared just in the way that, that a Jewish family needs, right? And, and, and I, I go to this place and I'm like, wow, Baruch Hashem, we're able to be hosted in such a place. I remember also staying in, in uh, uh, one of the, it's a famous old hotel in Borough Park. I can't remember what it's called now. It's, a, it's like a classic Jewish hotel in Borough Park. The same thing. The whole hotel is set up for religious Jews. And everything has these little, little tiny details that you never expect. But when you go there, there's so, so much to appreciate and be thankful for. So why? Why am I so thankful? Because someone knows everything that I need. And they give it to me, everything that I need in the lodgings that they prepared for me. Right? And they know. This is the way we're supposed to see every single day of our lives. And every place we find ourselves. Is Hashem is giving us every little thing that we need. Exactly what we need. And we don't even necessarily realize that we need it. But He gives it to us. And that way, when, when, we, when we sit somewhere and, we, and we're experiencing something, we're not going to be negative. We're not going to be critical. We're not going to complain, right? Because we're going to see, okay, this is what Hashem put in front of me. This is what Hashem wants, wants me to have today. Baruch Hashem, thank you for, for taking care of me. I'm a religious Jew. You gave me everything that a religious Jew has to have, some of those weird little things, <laughs> right? Yeah, that we need in our lives. Amazing. Did you get your milk? Yeah. Okay. Baruch Hashem. There, yes. Yeah. So, so, uh, so he says like this. This is the last point over here. Last point over here. Yeah, listen to this. So, the Chacham is working to, to forge Sheker in the world. Falsehood. To, to, to turn the world to more materialism with the work of his hands. Now listen to this line. His personal paradise. His personal Gan Eden of the Chacham is is that he can be angry at everyone. It's his personal Gan Eden, is that he can be angry with everybody else. This is his life. 
So to us, this is, he brings us, this is classic Rav Kivak over here. A, a different way to look at everything we've been saying so far. It says like this. We get ang- We also get angry, if even if we're plugged in, and we say, "Why? Why wasn't I able to daven better today? Why were my, my prayers weren't so good today? I'm not on the level I should be at." My learning didn't go so well today. So a person starts to think that they're a chacham, with these worries that they have, right? It's the same thing. Okay, it's maybe, uh, it's, it's a higher level and it's better. But it's the same thing. You think that you know the way things should be better than the way they are. Right? Maybe you're supposed to be down in the dumps today and Hashem wants you to serve Him from that place. He wants, to, he wants you to see that you can find the light of Hashem from when you're down in the dumps. That's also a Vodas Hashem. Right? And you're now upset because, because you didn't... Uh, you didn't have a day of, of happiness and, and tefillah and, and limud Torah? That, that, maybe that's not what it's supposed to be. At least you shouldn't be upset about it. And you shouldn't let it drag you down, right? So he says that, that, that you know, we, we find ourselves in these worries, places of worries and suffering, that the root of them comes from, you know, it comes from the, the negative actions that we do. It always comes down to this, remember, that, that, that we, we talk about nice, happy-go-lucky things a lot. We have to remember that when we do bad things, when we do averas, we do things we shouldn't do, it brings negative energy onto us. And whenever we're experiencing this negative energy, it's coming from such a place. If a person, the Gemara says, if a person finds themselves in suffering, you have to look into your actions. What have you been doing? If a person gets illnesses, you have to look, see, what, 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 it's coming from somewhere. The Gemara says a person does not get ill Unless they, unless it comes from some type of avera, we have to look at these things. Uma shefer goraleinu, how great is our lot? Sheishlano Rebbe, that we have such a Rebbe, Rebbe Nachman, Hamalamed liyos tam, that teaches us to be a tam, to forget about these worries, to not get involved in this chachma. Ubechol esuzman yachol adam likach zatzmoi lazoi vechachmois. That at every moment, a person can take himself to abandon these wisdoms, this chachma. And to live bitimimus. To live with timimus, with simplicity. This is the end of this, of this section of the, of the story over here. Hashem should give us the strength and the merit to stand up against the vanity of wisdom and suffering in this world. And to stop us from thinking too much. And, and we should stop overthinking. And we should come into Tamimus of Kedusha, holy simplicity. To be always Besimcha. Amen. And with that, I'll just tell you the next part of the story says, this is it says in the story. Let's throw aside, put aside the chacham for a while. And let's start to talk about the story of the tam. And that's where we're going to end ourselves today. Next week, we'll start a whole new. Next week, we'll start a whole new chapter in discussing the the aspect of the tam, 
of the one of 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 simplicity of of holiness, holy simplicity. And Mitzvah uh, Hashem, it's a new chapter. It's literally a new chapter, right? So this whole time, the last this is the eleventh class in the Chacham and the Tam. We spent eleven classes discussing the the the, the negativity, the bitterness, the burden of living the life of a Chacham, right? And so now, Mitzvah Hashem, we're going to start to see the other side of the story. Okay, we, 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 I think we all agree. I think we all have understood to what extent this type of, of, of living can tear us down. It can be so, so bitter and so negative, right? So are we ready to start to learn the other side? How do we move in the positive way to begin living a life of holy simplicity? We ready for it? Ready. Yeah, yeah? okay, so we'll start next week. <laughs> Any uh, comments before we finish today, guys? Oh, I have a comment. Um, I want to wish a special happy birthday to one of our uh, our uh, our most precious uh, Talmidim and Chaverim, Talmidot and Chaverot, uh, Sandra. So uh, you know you're important to all of us, and uh, we all appreciate you so much. So a very very special happy birthday, Admi of Esrim. Should be a tremendous year of of simcha and revealed blessings, Amen. happiness, Amen. and. Tamimus de Kedusha. Amen. Okay. Okay. All the best, everyone. Have a great week.